John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today, my guest is Kirsten Moore. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on here. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to have you. Um, So let's start off uh, with a little bit about you and and a history of um, how you got to where you're at today. Um, I always like to have our listeners find out how you got into lifting weights and and all that and when when you first got your hands on a barbell. So... Well, I am 40 now, and I've been training since I was 16, Um, you know, properly training since I was 16. Um, My reason for starting, um, initially, well, my my driving force was the fact that I was an obese teenager, and I really struggled with weight from uh, a young age, and uh, I got to the age of 16 and had enough. So I thought, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do something about this, and that's what I did. And basically within a, I think it was a year of picking up a weight, I was standing on a bodybuilding stage in the figure class. Um, I'd, I'd completely turned my entire self around. I'd gone from the, being this fat kid with no confidence to being this kid who was confident enough to stand on stage almost naked in front of judges. <laughs> um, and that was a good feeling. Um so that was my initial driving force. My reasoning for wanting to go in and, and lift weights as opposed to doing cardio, as a lot of people would have opted to do, was um, my grandfather from my dad's side um, was an Olympic weightlifter, powerlifter, and bodybuilder back in the day when guys did all three. Um, and they would, they would train for one in one part of the year, and it would flow into the next part of the year, into the next part of the year for the next one. And I, I didn't know him well. He died when I was quite young. But I always saw pictures of him from all of the different things that he did. And I was very, uh, very interested and intrigued by what he did when I was growing up. I would often look at these pictures. And uh, so I, th- I think there was something that was in me. Um, from the minute I walked into the gym, I knew that I belonged there. So that's probably part of why I progressed so fast when I did start training. You know, I went from being a nothing to being on a bodybuilding stage pretty damn fast. Mm-hmm. And that's that's quite unusual even by today's standards. A lot of people will be in the gym for a few years before they attempt their first comp, but me was like a year. Okay. <laughs> and I was up there. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> uh, so... So did you, um, were you doing the dieting thing too? Or was that really honed in or? Yes. I mean, I, I was very blessed in that the people I connected with immediately were people who cared and who competed themselves, who competed themselves for a long time and cared enough to share their knowledge and support me on this new journey that I was on. So I had good people around me that were advising me and guiding me and making sure I didn't do anything stupid. Um, so in the gym I was in at the time, a lot of people that competed from the Aberdeen area and from Aberdeen in Scotland, they came out of that gym. At the time, it was a gym called the Credo Gym. It's not there now, sadly. 
um, but that was where I started out, and we had a lot of good people came out of that gym. And um, so I was in a very supportive environment. So I did figure for a few years. Um, by the time I was 19, I had qualified for the NABA Britain. National is the amateur, National Amateur Bodybuilders Association. Um, you, you have NABA in the United States as well. They're just not as big as maybe the IFBB. Um, so I qualified for the Britain. I was runner up in the Miss Scotland. I'd won several uh, figure comps at, at little league level. And I'd also qualified for the NABA World Championships all by the time I was 19. <laughs> so, and that was in figure. Um, and then I took a bit of a hiatus from competing for a couple of years. And then I went back into competing again in figure uh, and went in too big. I had clearly outgrown that class and I got marked down for being too big. And then I didn't compete again for seven years until I moved to New Zealand. And I stepped up into the physique class, which is the class where you are judged essentially the same as the men. So in muscle density and hardness and separation. Um, and uh, did, did pretty well. I, I, won, I won quite a significant show there called the Bay of Plenty Championships. Again, it was NABA. Um, and uh, the judges were really impressed with me and they said, where do you want to go, Kirsten? And I said, well, I haven't done the universe. And they said, okay, you're on the team. <laughs> so, nice. so I ended up qualifying for the Miss Universe. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I've done, I've done quite a lot in bodybuilding. I think by the time I qualified for the universe, I've been training for 13 years um, and competing for quite a lot of that. And then in between all of that, I, I would continue to train. So even if there was a period of time where I wasn't on stage, I was still training and I was still improving myself because I always had my eyes on the next show that I do. Even if I didn't know when it would be, I would still be aiming for something. Mm -hmm. Did you so, did, did you end up doing the, the uh, Miss Universe? Did you end up doing it? Yeah, it's a really funny story. I said for years I wanted to qualify for the universe. Well, I got the qualification. And then three months into preparation, I found out I was expecting my daughter. Uh. <laughs> so that kind of put that to bed. And uh, and I always have, I have a bit of a laugh about it with people now because it's like be careful what you ask for, you know, because the universe the universe delivers what you want, you know. And I kept saying I want to qualify for the universe. I want to qualify for the universe. And the universe said, "Here you go, Kirsten. There's your ticket." <laughs> But, you know, you got your qualification, you just didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that did frustrate me for a while. But, you know, the, that's the way life goes sometimes. Yeah. You know, I ended up becoming a mom and and that was it. My life took a different turn. <clears throat> so. Cool. So how did you, because um, most of the stuff we see now from you um, are old time barbell lifts and kettlebells and, and the, the crazy stuff. Um, how did yeah. you, how yeah. did you, um, kind of get into that? Well, the kettlebells were the first thing that I kind of sidestepped into. So when my, my daughter was about a year old, I think it was, I was in the gym one day. I used to live in the Shetland 
islands. And I don't know if you know where they are, but it's like the very, it's the furthest north of the United Kingdom. It's closer to Norway than it is to the UK. And uh, so I, I lived there for quite a while. And I was in a gym there and there was a couple of kettlebells in a corner gathering dust. Clearly nobody had ever bothered using them or not in a long time. So I googled what are these things and found out what they were and then saw different exercises that could be done with them. And I started playing with them purely just for variety because at that point I was still training pretty much as a bodybuilder because it's all I'd ever done. It's all I knew. And, um, yeah, and really enjoyed it. And then put the feelers out over Facebook saying, look, is there anyone in Scotland teaches this, you know, so that I can learn how to use things, these things properly. And this guy from Edinburgh got in touch with me and said, you know, I'm from Kettlebell, Scotland. Would you like to come to my workshops? And that was it. I went and did his workshops, really enjoyed it. And three months later, I was doing an, an instructor certification cool. under the IKFF. That's the International Kettlebell and Fitness Federation. And their top guy was the one who certified me. Um, their top guy is Steve Cotter. Mm-hmm. So I, I trained under him directly. And then a few months after that, I think it was maybe six months, I did uh, CKT Level 2, which is also IKFF. So at that time, I was the highest skilled female kettlebell coach in Scotland. And I'd done it really fast. I just I'd, I'd started using these things and just really enjoyed it. Just loved the um, the ballisticness of it because it was incredibly different to what I'd done as a bodybuilder. It was mm-hmm. totally different. That's cool. Totally different. Yeah. So yeah, really enjoyed it, and then it, yeah, was a kettlebell coach primarily for about maybe eight years, um, and then some other stuff would get thrown into the mix as well. I would I would pick up the barbell and do get ups and windmills and stuff with that instead of just picking up a Did you uh, did you get into any of the the kettlebell competitions or the kettlebell sport or any of that? No, it's, it's kind of funny. I IKFF are gear voice sport, which mm-hmm. is kettlebell sport focused. So I trained under them. So I'm technically a gear voice sport uh, specialist, I guess, yeah. but I don't do it myself. I find it insanely boring you know <laughs> and I, I say that with the utmost respect because I know some brilliant people who are amazing in GS you know and I wouldn't ever take it away from them I mean I've trained people who do GS and do really well at it I just don't choose to do it myself mm-hmm. I, I I'm more about um, being explosive and ballistic but not for a 10 minute time period with <laughs> you know a kettlebell snatch or a jerk yeah. I mean I, I'll do a 10 minute set of get ups like Turkish get ups no problem or I'll string together movements and do them for 10, 15, 20 minutes no worries but that thing that they do it just it doesn't do it for me <laughs> never has I did try um, I remember I did try because I thought I'm part of the IKFF, I really should be doing this. And I was going to compete in uh, Long Cycle, which is 
it's basically clean and jerk with one kettlebell if mm-hmm. you're female. So you do five minutes one side, five minutes another. I think I got a few months into training for it, and I just thought, I can't do this. This <laughs> <laughs> is just not me. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, and I don't know too much about it. I got I got a couple of friends that do it, but uh, I think, too, it's it's very, very, very competitive because the way the movement is and the time limit, like you'll get people win by like one rep and the people that win will, oh, yeah. will go back and forth at a comp at competitions. It's, it's very, very, very tight race. <laughs> How they, yeah. I, I don't know if I, I can mean, uh, handle that. <laughs> I, I just, I just never felt comfortable doing a kettlebell snatch or a clean and jerk nonstop for 10 minutes because yeah. to me it was very unbalanced just really unbalanced training and I, I didn't I didn't feel good for doing it like I would finish my practice sets and, and feel not good I would just feel tight and I would feel stiff and but not in a not in a way that you expect to feel when you finish a workout it was like in an unbalanced way I inherently knew that if I continued on this path, I probably would not be in a good way. <clears throat> you know, and to their credit, some of them who do GS now do balance out their training with things like yoga mm-hmm. and other forms of dynamic stretching. You know, so full credit to them for doing that, but a lot of them don't. And a lot of them end up quite badly injured or chronically injured, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not cool. And I really didn't, I didn't fancy that for my long-term future. Yeah. I I love training too much, you know, to screw it up by doing one thing, you know, in an overuse fashion. So, no, I'll leave that to others, not for me. I'm more suited to the hard style of kettlebell training. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, initially I I trained under the IKFF, but then I sidestepped again and I trained under Steve Maxwell, who was the original Mr. Kettlebell. So he was the one that kind of started the whole movement in the Western world and taught in a class scenario, and he teaches it to um, martial artists mm-hmm. as well. And uh, so I certified under him twice. I did his level one and two, and I also did his fundamentals of human movement sets, and I've done multiple workshops under him. He's a really interesting man. And... I really like his style with the kettlebells. He's not flat-out hard style, and he's certainly not GS. He kind of lands somewhere in the middle now, and I really appreciate that because it's something that most people will do and gain from, whether you're an athlete or not. Most people will, will follow that path and will and will gain something good from it. Very cool. So, yeah, I, so I trained under different people. And I've also worked under Mike Mahler, um, so anyone who's familiar with kettlebells will know who he is. Um, he's he's a really cool guy. He's from Vegas, um, and again, he was he was hard style, um, and yeah, I, I like his approach to kettlebells. So I, I trained under some really good people and learned a lot of neat stuff. And I would take what I felt was useful and discard what I felt wasn't. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much what I do all the time. So just because I get taught something doesn't automatically say I think it's awesome and I'll teach it. I'll take what I think is right and I'll get rid of the rest. So where did you, um, after kettlebells, where did, where did you, where did you head to? What, what kind of, uh, well, 
when I met my other half, um, and my my other half is James Fuller, mm-hmm. and um, he introduced me to the concept of old time lifting, and that was brand new to me. I knew nothing about this at all. I mean, I'd seen. Obviously, like like all of us who train, we've seen some of the really old pictures of guys, you know, in their in their circus style outfits, you know, yeah. lifting the barbell, the old fashioned barbell overhead, or or you know, you know, with boards on their back and lots of people standing on it. And a lot of the time, you wouldn't, you don't really take it seriously. Um, and then I met James, and I realised, well, these things weren't just for show; they're actual real lifts, and and. I just really paid attention to what he was doing and kind of off of my own back I started experimenting with some of the moves that he was doing. James was a bodybuilder for a long time so he was very accepting of my own training and uh, the style that I had chosen to do and I just wanted to experiment with some of what he did. So I think I think it was the Arthur lift that I started off with. No, sorry, it was the Hack lift. I learned started the hack lift first and then the Jefferson and then we went on to the Arthur lift and self-loaded leg press and all that stuff and I found that I I took to it real fast because I could really see the benefit to be had by practicing these movements and I thought okay this is pretty cool this could really be applied to anyone and everyone now this isn't just stuff that was applicable before we had all this amazing equipment that the gym is now full of. This is stuff that we can still use now and is very relevant now, if not more than it's ever been, you know, because a lot of people have been so spoiled with the equipment we have now. Range of motion has been shortened, you know, through the use of power racks, monoliths for, for power lifters you know that means people don't even have to unrack on their own now it's like things are just being placed on them and off they go so people are no longer using their bodies in a way that they should be and then they're wondering why they get tight and they get stiff and then they get hurt and and i could see really clearly by practicing these old time lifts that it it makes you realize the lack of movement now that a lot of people have and uh so yeah, I really, I, I bought into it hook, line and sinker and, and I, I'm very passionate about some of these moves. My, my favourite one is probably the Arthur lift. I think it's a phenomenal lift. That's, I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but mm-hmm. that's where you pop the bar up your back to get it to your shoulders and then you'll generally jerk it overhead. That's what a traditional Arthur lift is. Or, you know, you just pop it up your back that way and then you can press it or squat it or do good mornings, whatever you want with them. Yeah. And I just think it's such a cool lift, you know, because the shoulder mobility that is built into it is just insane. And I think if you can teach someone to do that, you're you're giving them back mobility, you're giving them back movement, and they're going to walk away feeling better. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually terrible at that lift. <laughs> Terrible. It takes a bit of practice. I will not lie to you. It takes a bit of practice, especially if you've got very tight shoulders. And a lot of us who train or have trained for a long time generally do, you know, be really tight through, um, you know, the pec, shoulder, bicep area. So that's why you'll see a lot of people if they're squatting, you know, they'll either genie front squat, you know, your arms crossed over, or 
they'll have their arms over the bar like a crucifix mm -hmm. because they can't get their arms right in now. Yeah. Something like the Arthur lift, if you persevere with it, will it'll force your shoulders to open. Mm -hmm. If you stick with it, it, it will. It will do it. Um, it did for me. My shoulders were a hell of a state until about last year. Um, they didn't really want to move. And now I back squat all the time. And I hadn't been able to back squat in about 20 years. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> pretty huge. Yeah, that's crazy. So, usually when I post videos to Facebook or Instagram and all these cool social media things, a lot of the time it's me squatting. And uh, the people don't realize when they look at these videos that I only started back squatting again a year ago. Oh, wow. You know, because for so many years I was unable to because my shoulders were so tight. They yeah, were think... a real mess. I was heavily restricted by what I could and couldn't do. Um, whereas now I've got all those, I've got that movement back, the restrictions are gone. So it's, uh, and it's unexpected when you, you, when you hit 40 to be able to do things you hadn't, haven't done in 20 years. Yeah. You would think you're now not able to do something you've been doing for 20 years, but not that you're going to be able to revisit something you haven't done in 20 years. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty And I awesome. think that's the power, that's, that's the power of the old time lifts, if people will open their mind enough to see them as more than just a circus trick and see them as something that is inherently safe um, because we're using our bodies and getting our movement back, it's much safer to live in a body that moves than it is to live in one that can't move because it's tight. Right. Oh, so, I agree, yeah. It's, it's, re it's really interesting. So so my training now is primarily a combination of kettlebells and old-time movement. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I still throw in the occasional bodybuilding-style workout when I feel the need. You know, It's like once a bodybuilder, always a bodybuilder. Yeah. You, you, never truly, you never truly walk away from it. You can't. It's in you, you know, when you do something for so long. That's cool. So, yeah. So my training is a real mixed bag. <laughs> well, hey, that's good. <laughs> um, so uh, there's there's not a lot of people that are doing um, a lot of old time lifts. Now there are some people out there that that are do you know zercher squats or you know some of the more popular ones. Um, but there's a handful of people that that I've seen that are that have built, got some traction. Um, and James James Fuller is one of them that. Uh, does this stuff and has built up a decent amount of awareness for it. And now, and now you have people exploring it. You know, people will see something that James or somebody else does and they'll do it. Um, but they're getting a lot of, uh, flack from the, uh, the keyboard warriors on the internet. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I refer to them as the keyboard ninjas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been calling them that for years. Uh, and it's, it gets kind of old. You know, you have to, it's like if one person has told me and James that we're going to kill ourselves doing a leg, self-loaded leg press, a hundred people have told us that, you know, <laughs> that we're going to kill ourselves doing a self-loaded leg press. Well, I'm sorry, but you're more likely to kill yourself on a standard leg press than on a self-loaded leg press. Because on the standard leg press, you can load that thing to high heaven, you know, and then get trapped under it. And then what do you do? Same with bench pressing. You know, I mean, we all know people who have hurt themselves benching. 
and there's some, you know, let's be honest, there's fatalities every year from pension from, from people that don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, and, and all that is overlooked, you know, because it's in a conventional environment. And and yet you look at the, the old time lifts that we're using our bodies, you know, it's almost like the keyboard warriors are, or keyboard ninjas are accusing us of uh, being unsafe for using our bodies. Mm-hmm. We're meant to use our bodies. Right. You know, the reason that so many people are injured and immobile now is because they're not using their bodies. So all we're doing is, is taking it back to the way it should be with, with joints that are open and bodies that move. Um, but people are so used to being in environments that are very sterile. I think you guys refer to them as global gyms over there, you know, where you've got your your gyms that have popped up all over the place and they're all 24-7 and they're all full of trainers that don't know their arse from their elbow and they're all full of people who pay next to nothing to train there, who probably spend most of the time on an exercise bike and not really doing anything. Sterile environments, you know, so when you get people who are not frightened to sweat or grunt or or do something that looks a little bit different, all of a sudden, it's unsafe. Right. You know? Uh, But, you know, like anything, social media has been wonderful for training. But it's also been the worst thing for training. Right. And the reason it's wonderful for training is because it's, it's brought what we do to so many people who otherwise would not know about it. And it's given people a reason to try something different and maybe an incentive to try something new. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. But it's also given people a sense that if they do something once, they're experts, and if they learned it from YouTube University, then it must be right. <laughs> so you end up with all these videos online of people who don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. You know, and those ones give the good ones a bad name. Mm-hmm. You know, because... People, in general, when they're looking at workout videos, people are still of the mindset, if it's on TV, if it's on my monitor, it's real. And it must be good if it's on the TV or on the monitor, you know? Right. But the internet is not the TV, you know? It's not censored. Everything is shoved on there, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that winds up on social media, I mean, Instagram is probably the worst. Um, You know, the stuff that winds up on there, a lot of it is plain dangerous because there's nobody policing it. There's nobody can go through all those videos and say, that can't be on there because that's done really badly. No. So you have maybe young people, impressionable people, or people who are looking for guidance and help, looking at different things and saying, oh, this person's got... 20,000 likes on that post. Oh, it must be right. I'll, t- I'll try that. Right. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, social media has been brilliant, but it's also been, it's it's like a blessing and a curse at the yeah. same time. And James and I both get incredibly frustrated with some of the things that we see online. And it can be kind of challenging, you know, to keep the mouth shut. <laughs> it's, it's, it's certain things. Yeah. You know, but a lot of the time you have to, otherwise you're just going to sound like an absolute know-all. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I think that's and, the... 
nope. think that's Nobody the difference. Nobody likes a no. <laughs> no. I think, I think that's the difference between the, the people that know and, and the people that don't, you know, the ones that, the ones that aren't willing to bite their tongue, you know, the ones that are on there just running their mouth is, you know, those are the people you want. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the telltale sign, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I mean, it's, it's really, it's rather painful. A lot of the stuff that winds up on there. Yeah. I mean, if I, you know, I, I'm thinking the old time lifts at the moment. I mean, I can think of numerous clips off the top of my head that I've looked at them and I've just gone, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, please don't, just please delete this, take it off now. Um, <laughs> because when, when people, it's the same with kettlebells, you know, I mean, oh my God, I mean, I am very passionate about the way a swing is performed or the way we do a kettlebell clean and a press or, you know, people who are good coaches, they've got... They, they're passionate about what they do and it's like do it right or don't bother and it gets us really upset when we see things that are done really badly mm-hmm. and yet all these things that are done really badly they're, they're everywhere but they're they're putting out the wrong message it's just not cool yeah but you know it's it's the it's the age that we live in now and that's that's not going to stop happening so um yeah, if, if there was a way to police these things, it would be fabulous. But there never will be because there's just, you know, everyone feels compelled to share everything they're doing now. So whether it's good or bad. Well, I think you have a very unique, um, a very unique approach to things. Um, so you started off with bodybuilding and obviously you had learned how to do those movements properly, whatever movements that you were doing at the mm. time. And then when you saw the kettlebells, you did some research, found out what they were, seen a few things, and then you sought out an expert. And yeah. m- most people won't do that. Most people won't uh-huh. won't seek out an expert. So, you know, and I think that's part of the problem. And you might get somebody that has, you know, done whatever, powerlifting for a while, and maybe they know how to squat, bench, and deadlift, and a lot of people when they do that and they know how to squat bench and deadlift, they get this idea in their head that anything else they'll be able to read a manual or watch a video. And now they're an expert on that too, Uh just because you knew how to squat bench and deadlift, but that's not the case. Um, You can be the greatest power lifter or strongman or Olympic weightlifter in the world, but that doesn't mean you know how to press a kettlebell. (laughs) Oh, completely, (laughs) completely. Yeah, it's it's understanding that all these tools have their own unique, their own uniqueness about them, mm-hmm. you know, and and they require the user to use them in a slightly different way. So when we press with a barbell, it's different to the way we press with a kettlebell. Right. It's different to the way we press with a dumbbell. You know, it's, it's, all of these things are different. But what I what I often see um, with people with with coaches, the last few years more than any other time actually is if someone is coming in from say a powerlifting background they will say that powerlifting is the answer to everything to whoever comes into them for help mm-hmm. so the squat bench and deadlift and, and their accessories will help the stay-at-home mom with five kids they're gonna help the guy who's got an office job and works 60 hours a week, they're going to help the cop who's trying to get fitter for his work. 
they're going to be applicable to everyone, even if they're not an aspiring powerlifter. It's the same with guys and women who do strong man or strong woman. They seem to think that they've, they've discovered the holy grail, you know. So they'll go on and, t- and train people in their modality. I see it with kettlebells as well. You know, I mean, I know people who are guilty of this, you know, where they're kettlebell coaches and all they teach is kettlebells. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones who do GS, you know, some of them, you know, they'll have clients who just want to be fitter and yet they're teaching them to do GS. I'm sorry, that's bloody stupid. You know, it's an incredibly unbalanced sport. You need to give people, you know, balance in their bodies. You don't want to stick them into a sport that's going to make them even more unbalanced than they already are. So people who are specializing in one thing tend to think that that one thing is the answer to everything, including world peace. They'll, <laughs> they'll just, they'll, they really do. It's the same with Olympic weightlifters. You know, they're the same. It's like the clean and jerk and the snatch is the answer to everything. And you don't need anything else in life because right. if you can do these, you can do anything. And that is not the case. And that's, that's probably where, you know, myself and, and my partner are, are kind of different because we've done multiple things so we can appreciate what each thing has to offer and can kind of jump between them all mm-hmm. without anyone suffering. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Had I always just done bodybuilding, I probably wouldn't be in the position that I am now to help as many people as I have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been very one dimensional. Um, and I know for a long time I was. And then when I diversified into kettlebells and body weight conditioning and, and mobility and, and then the, the old time strongman lifting that diversified me even more and it makes you better able to assist people with whatever it is they want to do. So it's, it's an interesting time, but I mean, it's, yeah, there, there are some coaches out there who, let's be honest, they're a liability, you know, because they're just, they're coming from a, a standpoint where they're, they're practicing one thing and they don't really have the skills to help people who might want to do another thing. Right. So it's, it, it is an interesting time. It's, it's some, some trainers were almost better back in the eighties and nineties when they were coming in from a more, um, fitness and wellbeing approach as opposed to the ones who are more specialized now. I find some of them quite dangerous. <laughs> um, and it's something that I have written about and spoken about online before. So it's like, uh, so some people might hear hear me say that and feel kind of annoyed about it, but well, I've said it before, so I'll just say it again. You know, <laughs> it right. doesn't bother me to it doesn't bother me to speak my truth. Um, but yeah, I, I do I do see this uh, often. <clears throat> so uh, when you got into the uh, the old time lifts uh, with James, um, have you done any of those? competitions with the um usawa or any any of those yet i have not no i've i have not done any yet not to say i never will um but competing isn't really top of my priorities anymore um i did it so often as a bodybuilder i'm not really compelled to to do it again Mm um i feel like i've almost done my dash at that um 
But I learned a long time ago, never say never, because, I mean, I I said after my, my last figure comp that I was never competing in bodybuilding again. And seven years later, I turned up on stage in physique. So it's, you know, I, yeah, n- never say never. But it's, it's not something that I feel... Um, like I, I'm, I'm, run, I'm rushing to do. Um, I think I would rather take these lifts and and offer them to other people in a way that they can handle, as opposed to being so hardcore that I'm competing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can really see the gain that can be had to everyone with using them. So that's kind of where my focus is at now, and. I find being a coach is more manageable with being a parent as well. I think if you try and compete and be a parent, that's a lot of stress. But I can coach and kind of keep that in its place and be a parent and kind of manage those two together. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe when my children are older, I may make a return to competing of some sorts, but Very I'm cool. in no immediate rush. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, so I'm assuming that you still have um, goals despite not competing. Uh, what, what kind of, uh, do you have any yeah. kettlebell goals or any old time lift goals? What, what are you looking forward to in 2019? Well, my, my goals for, for myself are to continue to improve my mobility because my mobility for quite a long time was not great. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's even, even, I mean, I could... Like, my, my squat has always been good. My deadlift has always been good. You know, there were certain things that I would do that people would be like, damn. You know, but there was a lot of other things I couldn't do. So, to have regained my shoulder mobility and to have unlocked my hips that were in a, a pretty bad way for a long time is is, is a big deal to me. Um, so, I want to continue to develop that. I want to see how how much more fluid and mobile and flexible I can get. Um, I want to be able to accomplish things with body weight that I haven't done before. So I want to be able to do handstands and walking handstands and and cool stuff like that Um, and throw that into the mix. Um, Pistol squats, I'm I'm good at when I practice them. That's the one-legged squat. So I need to get back to those again. I want to build up my proficiency there because they're cool and everyone gets impressed when you do a pistol squat. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but no, my, my goals for me are just to continue to to get better in general, you know, where I have a body that, that doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of years with um, back pain after having my eldest child Um, and that pain got worse after I had my son who is now four and in the last year and a half I've had no back pain so for me that's a that's a really big deal so to then that's testament to the type of training that that I'm doing as well Um, that I'm now able to wake up in the morning and not feel sore and that, that's a really big deal. So if yeah. I can continue to do that, that's a big tick off my list. You know? <laughs> so when you when you find a training method that can that can do that for you, you're gonna stick with it. Cool. Um have you had any uh significant um injuries throughout your, your lifting career? Nope. None? 
it's in short, no. I was, uh, like I say, I, I always kept my form really tight, really tight, really strong. Um, I've always been strict, and I would always use a weight that I could that I could handle. Um, and so, even as a bodybuilder, I mean, as a bodybuilder, I used to train pretty heavy for a woman, you know. Um, but my reps were also kind of high as well. So I wasn't using ridiculous weight, but it was heavy considering the number of reps I would do. My reps would generally be up at 15 to 20 or more. So I was a, a believer in real high volume work for bodybuilding. Um, but yeah, I touch wood, I never hurt myself badly. I had the occasional pull, but nothing that I couldn't bounce back from really fast. And so in 25 years, that's not bad. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's not bad that's, going. There are not too many people yeah. that, uh, not too many people that compete in anything, let alone strength sports that haven't, haven't been injured. So I'd say oh, that's, yeah. uh, I know. you got a pretty good track it's, record. Without doubt, I mean, I'm very grateful for that, but it does come down to the fact that if you um, pay attention to your technique and rein in your ego, that you will stay one step ahead of injuries, mm -hmm. you know, mm. because it's ego lift and it ends up causing the injuries every time. Oh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. every time, especially with guys, you know. Um <laughs> You know, some women ego lift as well, but uh, that's a big, big problem with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, just one more 20 on each side. One more 20. Yeah. I'll, I'll manage. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the testosterone curse. <laughs> yes, I think it is. I think it is. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the ego that is the undoing of uh, some of the young guys and even a lot of the older ones. Uh, so if, if any of the, so most of my listeners um, that I'm aware of anyway, uh, are, uh, you know, strongman competitors, modern uh, strongman style lifting. Um, if they wanted to add kettlebells into their training or old time strongman lifts into their training, what would be, what would be your advice there just to, you know, to start supplementing and start figuring yep. things out? Yep. I think for strongman competitors, the kettlebell swing is really, really valuable, especially when you look at um, like the world's strongest man now where they're doing the kettlebell toss. Mm -hmm. um, you know how they used to toss the keg and now it seems to be kettlebells. That just makes sense. It's like if you're, if that's one of your events now, start doing kettlebell swings mm -hmm. and learn to really explode through your hips. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in that one. Um, I mean, actually, uh, I won't mention names here, but a guy who, who's, who's one world's strongest man before asked me before via um, Instagram how to do a kettlebell swing because he'd seen some of my videos. I said, okay. And it turned out this guy had never ever done kettlebell swings before and my response to that was you've got to be kidding me 
How can you be at that level and never have done a kettlebell swing in one of your events is now a kettlebell toss? I was like, that's nuts. So, um, so I ended up teaching him how to do a kettlebell swing. Um, so learn to do that and learn to do it well and learn to do it hard style, which is where you breathe in as you pull the kettlebell between your legs and breathe out really hard as you pop it and you, you essentially it's almost like you're trying to throw it away but you, you don't throw the kettlebell away mm-hmm. um obviously you do in the in the toss but if you can learn to do a hard style kettlebell swing that will serve you guys really well mm-hmm. you know because you're going to generate so much hip and glute drive which you need for everything and strong man you need to have powerful hips and glutes and that is what the kettlebell swing is all about. Yeah. And then you can you can use real heavy bells for that as well. Um, double kettlebell swings outside the feet as well. That's another really good one for strong men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great move to do before your deadlift because it um, activates your central nervous system, switches everything on. So that's that's a cool little trick there. Kettlebell swings straight before deadlifts and watch your numbers shoot up it it works it works every time it works do you mean like a a, uh like a like a superset almost or yeah yeah so you don't you might have for example if you were doing the double kettlebells outside the feet Mm -hmm. and there's videos of me on social media doing that i'll have to find some and, and show you show them to you um and it's quite a short range of motion on that one and your traps are heavily involved in it but you might have you pick up the two heaviest you can get your hands on for argument's sake say it's a pair of 36 kilo kettlebells and you might just do them for minimum five maximum 10 reps and then go straight on to your deadlifts so you're not doing enough reps with those swings to be winded you're doing enough to switch everything on so okay. by the time you get onto that bar you're good to go yeah. you know you you or fired up. Um, I guess it's maybe a similar effect as to when you stamp your feet before you before you pull from the floor. Yeah. You know because that activates your central nervous system as well. But the the double swing outside the feet is a it's a good one that that works. Um, for old time lifting, I can't see past the Arthur lift. I love that lift. And I think if guys who practice strongman can even use this lift in their warm-ups, their shoulders will feel awesome. And if your shoulders feel great, everything else is going to be better. You know, I I just think that's a superb lift at keeping those shoulders mobile. (laughs) And shoulders are something that can be a real problem for guys that do strongman. You know, whether it be because your, your pec... And your shoulder and your bicep are all connected, which is why, you know, bicep tears can be very common. It's not that the biceps are always tight. It might be that there's a problem with the shoulder or the pec and they're all pulling on the bicep. You know, so if you can if you can learn to keep that whole shoulder girdle open, you might actually offset these problems. You might you might end up avoiding an injury that was coming your way. So I I think the Arthur lift is very useful very useful yeah and and the irony there is um 
you know, I've, I'm, since I do strongman, I'm in several online forums and, and groups of uh, the modern strongman, and you'll see uh, there's a couple guys that um, see James lifting, and they'll they'll do the Arthur lift, and they'll post the video in these groups, and all the modern strongmen go nuts, and oh, you're going to break your back, and and uh, and, and and to be honest, I had little interest in. I'm a big fan of the old time lifts, but for whatever reason, I didn't have a lot of interest in the, the Arthur lift itself. But then I saw the reaction from all the other people. It was like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to hurt themselves. So then I started trying it because I, I knew if the masses of internet people were saying that it was dangerous, it was probably something I had to do. <laughs> So. Yes. If, if, if they say not to, that's probably a good thing that you should do it. Yes. Yeah, so, so I've been playing around with it. I'm not very good at it. Um, uh, I've been using the longer, um, like we have a, you know, a, a squat bar. It's a little bit longer. Yep. Um, I'm about six, five with tight shoulders. So the longer bar helps me do it for now. Um, not real great at it, but yeah, I can see where it, it helps with the shoulders and, the people that are the people saying it's dangerous, I think they're assuming that they're going to put like three fifteen on the bar <laughs> their mm-hmm. first the first time mm-hmm. and try to and it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you'll be yeah. lucky lucky to get a forty five on each side, you know, or or sixty kilos. Oh yeah, uh, your first time doing it, and if you can't bounce. 60 kilos around on your back as a, as a competitive strongman without getting hurt. You should, then you shouldn't be in strongman. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, basically, it's like, you know, if, if you're going to do strongman, you know, accept that you're going to hurt. There's going to be a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort because that is the nature of the beast. Yeah, for sure. So for, for some of the, for some of these guys and women to go, that's nuts, that's wrong. I'm sorry, you know, but I mean, I watch World's Strongest Man as much as the next person, and there's nothing sane about what any of these guys are doing. Right. You know? <laughs> and yeah. what I'm doing with an Arthur lift and a self-loaded leg press pales in comparison. So it's like, you know, if, if there's anything you can do to prime your body to, to switch on, make it more injury-resistant and resilient, mm-hmm. that can only be a good thing. You know, so if people can maybe just wind their necks in for a wee minute and think, you know, should I be getting angry about this? Should I be feeling upset about this? Or should I maybe actually give this a try? (laughs) They might find by giving it a try, it's a pretty cool thing and they feel great for it. So it's it's, um, just opening your mind. Yeah, and I think think the the thing they're missing is... it limits itself. Like you're probably not going to get hurt because there's so many limiting factors. And, mm-hmm. and as you eliminate those, those factors, they're making you better because a lot of them are going to be mobility issues and this and that. And um, mm-hmm. if, if you can correct those to the point to where you could use enough weight to even begin to start your, to hurt yourself, well, you're going to be so much stronger by the time you get there, you're not going to hurt yourself. And exactly. And, uh, exactly. you know, and I, like what I've been doing is, um, because it's so limiting with the Arthur lift, especially I, it's not even really strength training. It's a movement training. And 
So I just do yeah. this. It, it's be, it's more of my warm up now than anything. And then as as yeah. I would as I would progress and get better, it would kind of shift into the actual workout. But mm-hmm. and, and you're not going to hurt yourself with something that's a warm up. I mean, <laughs> I would hope not. Exactly. I, I think if you do, you need to kind of ask yourself questions about why am I doing this? <laughs> if your body's in that bad a way that you, you hurt yourself doing your warm up. Yeah. But uh, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, these movements, as much as they were used in the old days by guys for phenomenal amounts, you know, for, for huge numbers. And as much as James himself will often do, big numbers i mean i've seen him many times doing stuff you know and thinking what (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know and and that's that's my other half even i'm like oh my god what's he doing now um these things don't have to be done in that manner you know we're showing you that they can be done in that manner if you choose Mm -hmm. to do so but if you just choose to use it as a warm-up, it's something that is keeping your body more supple, more pliable, more open. Great. Mission accomplished, you know. That's the whole point, you know. You, you want people to be able to move better, to, to move freely without stiffness and achiness and soreness because that's what finishes a lot of people when it comes to training. You know, they can't handle the, the stiffness and they presume that that's just a sign of aging right. it isn't it's no. a sign that you're not moving enough mm-hmm. you know because if we really look closely at the kind of movements that we're doing when we train a lot of us are very very linear you know it's forwards and back up down there's almost no rotation you know there's no lateral movement you know side to side movement hardly any of that going on now so and and shoulders are not being used very much because like i say if you're a power lifter you're maybe in a gym that has a monolift you're not even having to unwrap mm-hmm. so we, we've taken away movement <clears throat> and we have to put it back because lifestyle in most people now is very sedentary mm-hmm. people drive everywhere you know they they sit and watch TV, you know. They'll take their kids to sports and then sit and watch their kids when their kids are doing their sport. <laughs> you know, we're sitting all the time. <laughs> so um, we want to move more when we're in the gym. You want to move as much as humanly possible when you're in the gym. And then you're going to be properly primed for your workout. Yeah, and the monolift brings up an interesting point because you didn't even have squat racks at a certain point in time right i mean the bar was created before the rack so so the only way to squat was to arthur it or steinborn it or clean it or whatever you had to do and then they created the rack um really as an overload system because you know so you could just pull it out save energy and squat more and then then the monolift became another way to overload that but it yeah. seems it seems like the people that do that, they get in this mindset like, well, I'm going to use the rack or the monolift and I don't want to Steinborn it. I don't want to Arthur lift it because I want to squat heavy. Yeah. But one thing one thing I like to do is um, I like to do Steinborns. Well, I'll do the Steinborns to a point to where I'm like, OK, that's as high as I want to go. And then I'll go into mm-hmm. the rack like they're not exclusive. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you can do both. You don't have to pick the rack or the stone oh, yeah. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. But I think people get that in their mind. They get tunnel vision and they think, well, I have to squat out of the rack or the monolift. And, and you could very easily, uh-huh. even on the same day, Steinborn up to where you, you have to put it in the rack or, yep. or have two yep. separate days, have a lighter day and a heavier day. And, you know, mm-hmm. completely. I mean, it's learning to combine these things, um, you know, but going straight to, uh, going straight to a piece of equipment, for example, the monolift, from the minute you walk into the gym, is not a smart idea. You know, because then we're, we're avoiding so much movement. And, you know, and, and I know I sound like a stuck record with this, but, you know, movement is so important. And, you know, we should be moving more. So, you know, it, it's like if, if you can only squat with a weight because you're being handed it by the monolift. But if it was even in the rack, if you couldn't unrack that and step out with it, I'm sorry, but I don't think you should have it on your back, <laughs> personally. I mean, I, I understand that it's, it's a powerlifting technique and it's a tool, um, but it's something that I really struggle to get to get my head around. Um, but then I'm not a powerlifter, you know, so of course I'm going to say that. But <laughs> it's... I, I, I just think that we're lacking so much movement and we're teaching people who maybe are not aspiring to be competitive to use these tools mm-hmm. when they shouldn't be. Right. You know, because we have a lot of people that will come and train with us or, you know, join in with our workouts or whatever. You know, whether it's me or you or anyone else who's a coach, you know, who don't wish to compete, but they want to learn how to do these things because they want to feel better. They want to be stronger. They want to look better. You know, so we need to be teaching people how to do these things um, in the best way possible for them. And I think equipment that shortens our range of movement is not the best idea for for anyone unless you're competing in that in that sport. Yeah. In which case, fine. You know, that's that's the way it is. But it's not the best idea for most people. Right. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, and, and yeah, they do, you know, I've seen, which is like geared powerlifting, right? You'll see the new, the new guy or, or the, the new woman that's in the gym and they'll get the powerlifters will get their hands on them and they've been lifting yeah. for three months and they're like, Hey, try this bench shirt on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, well, yes. you know, I mean, yes. I don't know that that's, I, you know, and again, I don't, I personally don't do geared powerlifting, but, um, I think you should probably train for a year at least before you're... Yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah. The, the thing is, people seem to forget that it's not just about muscular strength. Right. It's about structure. You know, we, we have our... Our body is our structure. So we've got our bones and our tendons and our ligaments, our joints. That's your structure, you know. And your muscles are obviously attached to your structure so your muscles might be able to handle a certain weight but your structure cannot right you know so if you know you, you have to be mindful of that that it's not just about the muscles it's not how much can the muscles take yeah someone might have a phenomenal bench you know but their shoulders you know and the entire girdle area can't take it mm-hmm. so we've got to work in as full a range of motion as we possibly can so that our entire body 
yet stronger, not just the bit that we're pushing with. We want the entire area to be stronger. Well, and it, and it, goes, so, it goes the other way too. You know, you could have, you could be lucky enough to have a, an excellent structure and then, you know, tear a muscle, right? So both, both systems, yeah. both systems have to be firing at full yeah. cylinders, you know, you, you can't. Um... They do, they do, <clears throat> we do. And I, I just think that if we can, if we train to keep our bodies pliable, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we all have to be yogis. Right. <laughs> you know, I certainly am not. <laughs> but if we can train to have good movement so that we can squat down and pick stuff up, stuff up off the floor. You know, we, we can, you know, use our own body weight for a push-up, you know, without thinking we're going to die. We can do a pull-up, you know, we, we can do, you know, crawling actions on the floor, you know, because crawling is a great, it's a great workout in itself as well to um, keep your brain and your, and your body engaged at the same time. You know, we should be able to do all of these things with our bodies. And then if we've got a body that works really well, functions really well, whatever you do on top of that is going to be even better. You know, to, in, in, in my mind as a coach and as a trainer, that, that's common sense. We want to be in a body that can do whatever we throw at it. Um, and then that makes us a lot more injury resistant. Yeah. Because in, injury is, is usually the thing that will put someone's career to bed. You know, they'll, they'll get injured and then they don't know how to come back from it. So why not prevent injury in the first place right. through smarter training? Yep. You know, be, be more mindful, you know, um, maintain fundamental human movement. You know, we should be able to, to crawl, walk, run, you know, twist, bend, squat, push, pull. We should be able to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very simple stuff very simple stuff but yeah we we find that the old time lifts kind of they take um, they take care of a lot of these uh, motions you know push pull rotation um, in one place mm-hmm. you know yeah so like it, it's uh, it's probably why I'm so kind of you know uh, evangelical about the Arthur lift because it's like there's, there's nothing has done more for my shoulders than that move nothing and I've trained for 25 years and there's nothing been better for my shoulders than that hmm. it's like it, it gave me my shoulders back and I just love it so I, I practice that move multiple times in the week cool even if it's just with a really light weight just yeah. to keep that movement in there hmm. Because it's like once you've got your shoulders back after you thought that they were screwed, you know, you you don't want to let them go again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great feeling. Um, do you know of any, uh, or, or do you have any tutorials um, on the Arthur Lift that are out there that maybe I could link yes, when we I do. put this up? Yes, we do. On our Kama Sutra Barbell page on Facebook. And uh, that's a page that myself and James run. Okay. together uh, because we we actually teach seminars he comes over to scotland where i where i am and uh, and we teach and we're looking at teaching in other places as well but right the last the last while it's just been in scotland and so we set out this page 
where we basically advertise our seminars and then we'll put different posts on, you know, saying different, just different stuff about training. And we'll often post videos. And I do have a couple of Arthur Lift ones on there and I think James has got a few on there as well. Um, we've got quite a lot of them on Instagram as well. Okay. Again, we have Kama Sutra Barbell on Instagram and then he's... James runs a page on Facebook called Strongman Archaeology. Yeah. Um, which, which is all about old time lifts. Um, and uh, or like pre-World War II training is, is like how he likes to, to regard it because it's not just the old time lifts. It's really, it's weightlifting from back then as well. Um, so we've got a lot of videos on there on Facebook and he's on Instagram as Strongman Archaeology as well. And mm-hmm everything gets posted to there so yeah i mean there's a lot of material if people you know care to scroll and find something there's there's literally hundreds of videos cool yeah well it's uh, and it's all open public content there's nothing hidden it's it's all there for anyone who wants to see it cool yeah definitely check that out i'm i'm in the um archaeology group and there's some pretty good videos and, and things that come through there so uh, yeah, it's a really interesting group. I mean, there are some really cool people that, that post stuff there very regularly, and um, and they focus on they do a lot of grip work on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, James is very into hub lifting, and uh, and some of the other guys uh, are into hub lifting as well, and uh, even things like you know steel bending yeah. and uh, you know tearing the deck of cards. You know, very kind of cool old school stuff like that it's it's a it's a real eye-opener especially if you come from a conventional training background and then you look at what some of these guys are doing it's like wow you know stuff you've maybe never seen before yeah that's cool Uh, it just adds adds another dimension to training so uh what's the best way if somebody wants to to have um you know be a part of one of your seminars what's the what's the usual route to get that going well, um, basically just check us out on Facebook because all of the information is on there so people can contact us directly through there. Mm-hmm. So whenever we organize a seminar, we will post details about it to that page. And then we'll usually share those details within multiple pages on, on Facebook and across Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very active on social media. But, I mean, um, on Facebook, I mean, there, there's only one Kama Sutra Barbell. That's yeah. us. There's nobody else been brave or stupid enough to take that name. So, <laughs> you know, we uh, you know, we jumped in there and took it. Uh, kind of says a lot about the sense of humor that we have uh, when we call ourselves that. Um, so uh, that that's where people will, will most easily connect with us. Uh, cool. F- Facebook, that's, that's the main medium. Yep, Very through good. that page, and we we all, we always reply to people. You know, if it's not within the first hour, it won't be long after. It's either either James will reply or I will. So, <clears throat> cool. Um, do you all also do any kind of um, online coaching, online training, anything like that? Yeah, I do. Um, not not a lot, but I do do it, and. Uh, James does when he's asked, you know, so if, if people ask him to help him out, he will usually say yes. 
um, you know, if it's if it's something that appeals to him or somebody who's really serious about about training, um, we yeah we like to invest time in people who who really take what they're doing seriously and want to really want help. A lot of people say they want help, but they don't. You know, they just want to pay someone and they want that person to go away and do the work for them. So it's like if someone comes to us who you can see the person genuinely wants to, to move forward with what they're doing, then we'll usually say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll help you out. Um, and again, we can be contacted through Kama Sutra Barbell for that. Um, yeah, I, I often write programs for people um, for a variety of goals. You know, so people don't have to come to us just because they want to do full-time strongman lifting or they want to do kettlebells. You know, everyone's got their reasons for doing what they do. So it's it's a case of, you know, we would write something to fit that person, mm-hmm. you know, Very which cool. is always the way that people should be working anyway. You know, you take people as you find them. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. where are you at right now? Where do you want to be? Do you have a goal in mind? Here we go. So and uh, so programming from us can be quite interesting because we've got you know multiple strings to our bow. So workouts can be quite can be quite cool, quite interesting. Yeah, I was training a lady today. I do a little bit of private training, and uh, and within that one workout, we had you know, we were doing body weight conditioning, kettlebells and something with a barbell. So she had all, you know, she had different things that she was doing. And, you know, this is a, a regular lady, you know, not someone who's aspiring to compete in any of them. Right. But that was, that was an engaging workout and she loved it. And she left feeling amazing. And that's something that I programmed for her. So, um, so yeah, online online coaching is, is quite is quite neat. It's still something that um, you know it's still very new, I guess. It's really only the last few years people have really been going in for online coaching. So mm-hmm. it's something that is still kind of in in its infancy. But I think it's quite a cool thing. I think it's quite a cool option for people. Um, and it can save a lot of time and a lot of frustration as well. Oh yeah. Um if someone's if someone's desperate to do something and they're and they're not wanting to waste time making mistakes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, it can so, be quite a cool tool, especially if you don't have other people around you that can help you out. So, if somebody was interested in that, do they uh, go through the the Kama Sutra Barbell page, or do they they message you directly? Yeah, yeah, they just message us through there. Okay. So that's you know, there's a direct direct message button on the page. And that just takes them straight to, you know, a conversation with us. Okay. And, uh, yep. Cool. Um, so, uh, being in, uh, Scotland, have you done any of the stones yet? I had to go at the Denny's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had to go at the Denny's. How was it? (laughs) Um, that was in 2017. Well, it was great fun. It was great fun. I mean, God, it was a cold day when <laughs> when we were there. It was insanely cold, and I was wearing a kilt. That was not my best idea. It was freezing. Um, yeah, there's a video of me somewhere doing that <laughs> on Facebook as well. I lifted because the Denny's are two stones. Yes. Yeah. 
and I think it's about is it 365 kilos all in. I can't remember. It's about 365. If someone will need to correct me if it's not. Um, but I, I lifted them by themselves and then I went to lift them together and I couldn't get airspace in between those things. It was not happening. So that wasn't my idea. Like I said, I've got a couple of cool pictures of me lifting them on their own. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, getting them both off the floor was not happening that day. Um, but I know there are a couple of women um, who have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to be one of those women um, and I would like to do it without straps as well. I think that would be a very neat thing to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the only Scottish stones I have had my hands on so far. <laughs> and it was a, it was very, very cool to, to do that. There was some amazing people there that day. Um, and uh, it's it's a real kind of, it's a real team feeling when you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, usually multiple people will be booked in on that day to also do their attempts. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I had no idea what it was going to be like when I went out. And it's such a well-organized event and uh, very cool. Yeah, very awesome. cool. Um, Stevie Shanks, who's lifted the stones many times. His father, Jack Shanks, was one of the first people to, to lift them, you know, after Donald Denny. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Steve, Stevie Shanks was there when it was my attempt, and he's just a phenomenal guy. And he must be, he's in his mid-50s now, and uh, he's, he's just this bundle of energy. He's an Irish guy, and... He can't weigh any more than me. I mean, I weigh about 70 kilos, and this, this guy would not weigh any more than me, I swear. <laughs> it's like he, he's tiny, and yet you should see him clearing these stones. It's quite amazing. Um, he's an interesting guy to, to talk to. He's he's really cool. Um, yeah, I've heard other podcasts with him on it, him on them as well, and he's, he's a neat guy. Both him and his father are kind of like the kind of safeguard the stones mm-hmm. so they're part of the committee that actually looks after them and they'll organize people's attempts and things yeah. like that so they're, they're stones of historical significance but they're very well maintained people take it very seriously mm-hmm. you know yeah that's good yeah and there's a there's a record for people who have um you know like a list if you manage to clear them you join the list and yeah yeah and it's updated periodically and it's a real um it's 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 just a real cool thing. It was it was nice to be part of, especially being Scottish. I mean, I I didn't realise how much I would love being there and doing that. And I felt so proud because I was there, and there was there was people from all over the globe there also to lift them. Mm-hmm. And yet there they are, right on my doorstep. So yeah, it's, it was <laughs> that's neat. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> Very well, cool. <clears throat> um, we're about out of time here. Uh, just want to um, plug your uh, your website one more time. That's Kama Sutra um, Barbell. Seminars. Kama Sutra Barbell. Yep. So we can be found on Facebook, mm-hmm. and we can also be found on Instagram. Okay. Um, and if anyone doesn't want to go on those uh, mediums, they can email us at kamasutrabarbell at gmail.com. And that's mm-hmm. our direct email. So Kama Sutra Barbell is all one word, no hyphens, nothing like that. 
Cool. Uh, so that's how we can be contacted. But like I say, we're, we're very active on social media. And, mm. and so if, if people are on social media, they can get hold of us very easily there. Yeah, um, seminars, online training, um, I will link. Seminars, online training. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty flexible, you know, with regards to how we help people. You know, some people might be just needing online guidance and support. Some people need programming. Some people just need someone to tell them, you're doing fine, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I think that's and everyone, true, is, yeah. everyone is different. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, the, the, the approach to people is very um, fluid and flexible. We're, we're not kind of saying this is our method and it's it's in this box. It's like, well, no, who are you and what do you want to do? And then we'll see what we can do to help you. So. Alrighty, well, um, I'll put those links to the sites up when I post the podcast and then um, I'll tag you uh, and, and James whenever this goes up. And, Thank you. Uh, that way, you know when it's live. Um, it'll it'll be, yeah. be in a few weeks. I usually release them on a Friday. Um, but I want to thank you for taking the time and uh, doing this. It was awesome. We'll definitely have you back on at some point. And You're most welcome. Thank you for asking me on. It's been fun. Cool. Uh, this has been John the Viking Mauser and Kirsten Moore with Get Strong or Die.